Welcome everybody to Go For Side Effects. I'm your host, Kevin Simon. Tonight, my co-host can't make it. Uh, John, uh, we're all out there praying for you right now. But today, we have a former Army Afghanistan veteran on, Brian Landry. Brian, how are you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. So I know this is not Desert Storm, guys, but... <laughs> Whenever I got a hold of him and when somebody sent me to him to talk to him, I liked what he had to say because he does Everlasting Veteran Podcast. And he's doing something, it's called TAP, and which I'll let him explain it to him, but it's about transitioning in and out of the military. So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, Ryan. So I'm a eight-year Army veteran, uh, toward Afghanistan. Um, three kids, wife, you know, house, everything. Been a police officer last uh, decade in southeastern Connecticut, and um, you know, my transition's been a lot different, I think, than many others. I didn't completely get out of uh, the military. One and two, I took off one uniform and put on another. Uh, you have that sense of service, and it, it just continued into um, working in the community that I grew up in as a police officer now. Um, so my transition, I think hit me in the transition stress that goes along with it, hit me a little bit later than everybody else. And, you know, I had this aha moment, um, after dealing with many veterans, being a police officer, um, going to calls veterans and in, in need and stress, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and the army has a thing called TAPS. It's a, tr it's called transition assistant program. It's meant to help you, uh, get a job, line up a job when you get out, build resumes, um, all that kind of stuff, structure yourself to be, show that you're valuable in the civilian world. Uh, the issue is it's a, it's a good foundation um, the, but there was no follow through with it. Uh, there was no necessary changes made to adapt with the civilian world to market, um, military personnel for the civilian world and truly show, uh, what our strengths are as veterans coming out of the military. Um, and what I mean by that is they don't realize how much leadership, uh, control of personnel uh, being in a management role is um, so micromanaged and uh, effective in the military side of things, and it can be applied into the civilian world. But <clears throat> when they see your job title like mine, field artillery, okay, well, I'm not going to find something in the civilian world. We don't need to go blow up the next town. <laughs> so um, they look at, they just look at my job title and they don't see anything else, you know, and TAPS is a good foundation that needs an overhaul that the, that the army created, the military created. Um, they're using it across the board for other, other branches as well. But the main consensus that I got from talking with many veterans and, you know, looking back on my transition as well is there's a failed disconnect. There's a bridge that needs to be built between getting out of the military and becoming a veteran in the civilian world. They transition you into the military very well with boot camp, changing, you know, your styles of 
living habits and everything else and your they change your brain and we can go into this whole hippocampus thing and you know how it affects your brain uh going into the military and how it really actually does change your your brain waves um <clears throat> but there's nothing like that going out of the military no, um let, i'm gonna stop you right there so going into the military like i did back in you know 1989 which i know i'm showing my age by saying that okay so you, you know, nobody really thinks about this. In boot camp, like, uh, I went in Navy. Navy is probably the, you know, second to the, well, hold on. Let's see, the Marine, Army, Navy, Air Force, well, Coast Guard, Air Force. Well, okay, so they're one of the last of the, in there that, we you know, we didn't get pounded on like the Army and the Marine guys. All right, I'm sorry, Air Force and Coast Guard, it's just the truth, and we all know it. So they live in Hilton's. Uh, it's true, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know. I mean, we, we, you know, the biggest thing was nut to butt, nut to butt. That's what they told us in boot camp, and anybody tells you differently, it's just the truth. Yep, but, hurry up and wait. Yep, hurry up and wait. But I remember when I stepped off the first day in San Diego, I got off the bus, and man, the petty officer and the chief was there, welcome us off that airplane. Like, welcome to the United States Navy. Y'all really gonna enjoy this. Y'all get you a soda, get you a smoke, whatever y'all want to do. Man, I thought them guys were nice as guys. I'm thinking, what the hell is everybody thinking, telling me that these guys are mean? Well, let me tell you something. When we crossed that little gate going into the base, them dudes had a freaking psychological change, man. All of a sudden, my mama didn't love me anymore. I was a dumbass. I didn't know anything. They shaved my head. <laughs> and so the psychological part, that worked right then and there. And so, but what the other thing that they did is they used the church. Believe it or not, because when we when we went into like uh, the first day, or uh, it was really the third day, we were sitting in this big old church, and they come out, you know, preaching the gospel. Now all of a sudden they show a movie about there's two best friends walking down the street and one of them gets killed right then and there. I mean, for no reason. I don't even know why the hell you show it in damn church to begin with. Mm -hmm. But it's a way for them to break you down. Now, uh, you know, the Navy we ran, we did some push-ups and, you know, stuff like that. We didn't crawl in the mud and, you know, play with ball wire like most of you guys did. But in the same sense, they knew how to break us down. And so back in 89, how was it different when you went in? So um, I remember distinctly, so both my basic training in AIT was done in Fort Sill. Um, you know, I, I had Fort Sill is uh, home of artillery. Um, so I remember getting to basic training um, and one of the vivid memories of uh, boot camp that I have is, you know, they're nice as pie, you know, <clears throat> you get on the bus. As soon as that bus stops, you got that drill sergeant on there, get off, get off, get off, you know, and and then you're, you're moving, things kind of slow down. You're doing kind of like some in-processing paperwork type of thing. Um, and, you know, in formation, you're still in your, you know, in your civvies, um, and then they walk you outside in formation and there's just a line of drill sergeants, like just, just the tack dogs ready to jump, you know, and, uh, you know, they, they're just waiting for the command, you know, and that, that leash to get released. Um, and 
you know, they march you and you're standing uh, facing the backs of the drill sergeant. They purposely put you facing the backs and uh, they go over, they, you know, salute the drill sergeants and then the drill sergeants do an about face and then it game on. Oh, um, damn. And, yeah. And then it's game on. And then now you, you are, you are officially the property of the United States army. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I, I joke about it. It's the best experience. Um, I would never change it for the world. I'd do it a hundred percent, do it all over again. Um, you know, you go, you go through and there's times where you go, damn, this sucks, you know, but the amount of, um, mental, uh, courage and uh everything else to push you to be a better person push past that that little voice in the back of the head that says uh i want to quit you know and uh you know gives you the the will and determination to just keep pushing on and that's why and that's why it's designed the way it is you know and it, rightfully so because there are there are situations especially with afghanistan and iraq um, and other other wars that this country has been through where you need to be in that mindset, you know, and that transition into the military needs to happen. Um, you know, and, and you have to you have to be a well in the army, you're a soldier first, you know. Doesn't matter what your MOS is, um, you know, you're a soldier first. That's how they train you. Um, because you know, I know I served with guys that are in the artillery world when they went to Iraq before we went to Afghanistan, you know, they were doing infantry work. They weren't doing artillery. Um, you know, so you're a soldier first and that transition period, you know, six, eight, nine months or a year, whatever, how long your, uh, your advanced training is, um, learning your job, your MOS, <clears throat> it kind of eases up a little bit. Once you get to AIT, um, you have a little bit more freedom. Um, but that transition needs to happen. The problem is the transition going back to the civilian world. There's the lack thereof. There's, there's not really a transition. And you're absolutely there's the, correct. There's a setup for you to get a new career. There's a setup for you to get another job. There's a setup to teach you what the quote civilian world is looking for via resume. I'll tell you, I had, I still have them and we you create this I love me book when you're in the military right it's got all your accolades and awards and what you've done and everything else I still have the 15 um 15 letters of recommendation from commanding officers and uh senior enlisted um for the purpose of handing over to a, a possible employer um they never came out Nobody even wanted to see them. So at some point <clears throat> in the civilian world as well, you know, these, these employers need to go, Hey, we need to actually figure out what they're capable of, you know, versus just looking at how many, how many employees, you know, other than um, one that deals with government jobs can read a DD two fourteen. Yeah. Hardly any. Right. You know, right. and it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's required to hand over to an employer for, for a job and stuff like that. But do they even know what they're looking at? Nope. Do they even know, you know, the amount of, you know, uh, tours you've done, 
what the abbreviations mean for the awards, you know, and they don't even know the stories behind some of them, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, I'm Rambo or, you know, I've done, you know, anything exponential, you know, in the, in the field of any special unit, you know, but I've, I've done my time. I did my job to the best of my ability. I earned, you know, my place as an NCO, uh, non-commissioned officer, um, you know, and I put the work in, um, and then you transition out and you're starting all over again. How, you know, I'm supposed to be handing over these documents. It's supposed to be a representation of me and the hard work that I put in, but they don't even know how to read it. They don't even know how to, um, accept this form and as a resume, you know, of the hard work that I put in. Um, you know, so that it's part of the transition. Um, you know, the military has the TAPS program, transition assistant program, and it's just that it, it helps you with resume, um, job building. Uh, they give you a, a word printed document. It's got a list of websites, you know, monster.com, usajobs.com, where you can go and, and put your resume and put it on for the world to see. Um, you know, but there's, you know, you're still attached to a mission readiness, uh, unit. Um, you know, you're not, you're not in, in the rear, you know, detached from a unit that possibly can deploy, you know, so there needs to be a, a better, a better transition. It needs an overhaul, uh, you know, not just with the army, but the military as a whole, um, they transition you in, but they don't do a good job transitioning you out. Well, and the other part of transitioning too is is also your your mental status. I mean, because what a lot of people don't realize is when you get out, man, they build you up, and man, you're somebody. But mm -hmm. man, when you get out, you went from somebody to nobody, and that that's depressing. I mean, especially yeah. if you've been through a war, a conflict, a divorce, and and you get out like I did. I mean, yep. all at the same time. And yep. then, I mean, there's guys that done three tours in Afghanistan. There's guys that did a tour in Desert Storm, Iraqi Freedom, and Afghanistan. Then they get out. Their mind is still there. Right. And, and they don't prep the veterans when they get out to be prepared for that. And that needs to change. A lot of right. it needs to change because that's what a lot of the problem is. I think what happened with Desert Storm vets, Vietnam vets, and I mean, well, the biggest thing with Vietnam vets is they just weren't treated properly. But the Desert Storm vets and uh, all that, because we didn't have Google. You know, okay. you, you, you pretty much, uh, nobody knew who had to type. I mean, be honest with you. I couldn't type up a resume back then. And what am I supposed to tell them? Oh, I was on board USS San Jose, uh, brought in 10 inch, uh, you know, lines out of the water. I did this, I did that. You know, I've rigged captain this, this, and this. But they're not going to understand it. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. And, and like you said, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's but fine. You it right on the head. We talked about it before we, uh, we started this going is the transition stress. A lot of people don't talk about, or it's not really understood as well. Transition stress has nothing to do with the, the, adrenaline filled highs of deployment and mission readiness and everything else. It's its own, it's its own thing. And it's a real thing. And it's completely separate from, you know, PTSD, anxiety and everything else. It, it deals with 
the actual transition and the stress that it brings. Think about, you know, just moving from one house to another when you're selling your house and moving to another. That's just a, a small little fraction of what the transition stress veterans are dealing with. Because, <clears throat> you know, I was fortunate I had a place to come back to and, and a place to live uh, getting out and uh, with my with my wife now. Um, but you have a lot of veterans that are transitioning. Sometimes, you know, for me, I was stationed in Germany for four and a half years. I hadn't been on U.S. soil for more than two weeks, you know, uh, during a year period uh, during those four and a half years, you know, so I'm coming back stateside after being overseas for four and a half years, but I didn't have, I wasn't bringing my family with me. You know, what about the families that, you know, they're, they're transitioning their whole family from one country to another, you know, and what if, you know, now they got to find, uh, services. What if they have a special needs, uh, child that needs services? What school systems are the best? You know, there's so much that goes into it that isn't talked about. Um, and it's on, yeah, part of it is on the veteran, but at the same time, there be, there needs to be more in place to prepare the veteran and their family for that transition. Um, you know, and, and just think about what you have to do if you're just even moving down the street. Now, amplify that times 100, moving your whole family out of, you know, Germany back to the United States. Um, there's so much that goes into it. This isn't just, you know, we're going on vacation for a week. We're going to figure it out. This is your life is changing, you know, and everything around you is going to change. And while you're serving, the whole world rotated around you while you're serving and changed while you're in, you know, and being able to adapt back to that is sometimes challenging. And I also think that sometimes some of us don't transition back. We're Correct. still in that mindset. I mean, my kids would tell you, me growing up, I I treated them like I was still in the military, and and I I did. I'm sure I did. You, you know, my yep. my work ethics and everything I did. A lot of it had to do with the military, and the way I talked to them, the way I treated them. You know, I was a hard ass, and it's it's not so much that you know. For them, they would say, oh, my God, you probably got to have PTSD. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, guys, I, I, I never had PTSD. But I can tell you that a lot of it is how what it was in the military. A lot of it was. It was go, 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 do, 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 do. Wait, yep. wait, 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 wait. And, yep. But the transitioning was the hardest for me. Yeah, and I, I talked to a lot of veterans, you know, and look back on, uh, as, as my transition started hitting me, uh, because I, I've been a police officer for the last decade, um, and only officially got out in 2017, I finished my time as with the national guard, um, you know, which is kind of like a culture shock. Cause you go from like the big army mission readiness, you know, at the time, you know, every unit is, you know, either coming back from deployment or ramping up, you know, every, every year and a half, two years, you know, that's how the rotations were. And, uh, you go to <clears throat> what essentially is a mission readiness for a national guard unit. And you got guys that 99% of the time are working in the civilian world, you know, and that 1% of the time, you know, two, uh, one week in a month, two weeks out of the year. Some of them aren't taking it seriously. You know, they're there for college, whatever the case may be. 
Um, it was a completely different working atmosphere than what I was used to. Um, you know, and then at, at the same time, I get hired eight and a half months after act, active duty. And, um, you know, it really didn't hit me. I would say probably about five to six years after being out of active duty. Um, you know, the PTSD, the anxiety, um, you know, everything was kind of, kind of building and I wasn't taking the time to take care of myself. Um, you know, I, I didn't know that I was dealing with, you know, transition stress. I didn't know I was dealing with anxiety. I didn't know, you know, um, you know, these things were going on with me and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here going, man, I can't connect with nobody like I used to. They can't connect with me. Um, what am I doing wrong? And I, I think I'm, I'm the problem 99% of the time, you know, and realistically, it's just my thinking and the way that, you know, your, your brain gets wired going into the military and during your service changed who you are. You're a different person now and you have to accept that, you know, acceptance. And I talked to uh, one of my best friends and veterans, um, few weeks ago and it what he said to me stuck with me because i helped him through some stuff and a lot of times we help people but we don't take our own advice right mm -hmm. so he said to me he goes you know what it wasn't until i effectively wanted to transfer out of the military that i was able to change my life oh damn and i went dude that is that is exactly what i what i need to hear you know you have to effectively want to transfer out of the military. You have to effectively say, I'm no longer in the military. This is who I am. All right. And make that transfer, make that conscious effort to effectively want to transfer out of the military. Boy, wow. You know? And I went, dude, I, it, he didn't realize I wrote that down, you know, um, but it stuck with me and I wrote it down and every chance I get, you know, I, I throw that out there because those, those simple words, you know, making a conscious effort to want to want to effectively transfer out of the military will change your life. You, you start to become more self-aware of yourself and your surroundings and, and who you are, you know, and accept the fact that you are changed good, bad, or indifferent. You are changed and you have to accept the changed person. You can't, you not the person that you were before you, you signed up and joined. Right. And, and I, I'll tell you what, I remember when I was in the military and I'm going to tell everybody this story. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of slack for what I'm about to say, but, and I, I would say this to, to anybody, you, you know, I look at it. And this actually was written up on our ship newspaper. I was pretty proud of it. But I, I said to some my chaplain one day, he said, Simon, how do you look at life? And I said, I look at life like a flower. He looked at me, he's like, what? And yes, this got me into a, a psych evaluation with the doctor. I said, well, think about it. You start out as this little seed and you get brought up and you bloom into a beautiful flower. But along the way, you get picked on, pulled on, spit on, stepped on, you know, kicked at, everything. I said, but then you look at somebody looks at you and says, man, that's a beautiful flower. Or it makes somebody day. Uh, you know, somebody wants to put it up on their shelf. 
because it makes them them happy. So you got two roads that you can take. You can mm-hmm. take the get picked on, pulled on, or you can take the flowers. You can take the beautiful side of it. And yes, I, I quoted this phrase. Everybody, I want y'all to know that. But I mean, but if you really think about that phrase, it's no different than what the military is. When you go into the military, they pick, they prod, they do everything they can. But you build yourself up to what you want to be in the military. But nobody taught me how to transition out. And and that's why I think this is important tonight to talk about. Because I still feel sometimes I'm, I'm in that transition stage. Yep. I, I still feel like. Yeah, and, and, and that's a big thing is... The, myself included, there's times where, you know, I'm going throughout my day and I just go, you know, what? it was a lot easier when I was in, you know, you had that camaraderie around you, you had that brotherhood 24 seven, you know, and, and in a sense, you know, you had your purpose, you knew what your capabilities were, you knew what you had to do. Um, you know, and the big thing is finding that purpose again in life, right? In the military as an artilleryman, uh, fire direction control, you know, getting the guns to fire, you know, we can hit a target 30,300 meters away. I was told artillery, you know, and doing the calculations and, and getting the guns to hit target uh, plus or minus 30 meters, um, you know, and, and that's stressful in itself, but mission accomplishment, you know, and the rewarding fact, you know, that you're doing the job to your best of ability and it's also uh, appreciated, you know, your hard work you put in is appreciated and it, it shows through, you know, awards, recognition, whatever the case may be by your chain of command. Um, and unfortunately, the civilian world, and we can't hold it against the civilian world for not understanding our jobs or not understanding what our purpose was in the military. And you can't sit here and try to make them understand Cause they're never going to do, you can't, you can't understand if you don't walk in the shoes. Right. And, but you know, they want to hear the stories, right? We don't have to tell everything, but they want to know the new you, right? You're a changed person. They want to, they want to know the changed person. Let them in a little bit because it's going to help you and it's going to help them understand you. You know, they're going to learn the new you. Um, and I struggled with this personally, and I know other veterans have as well, is you try to push, you know, them understanding the military and, and understanding being a veteran. That's not, that's not what it's about. It's understanding you as a person, getting them to, it's just like if you meet somebody for the first time, right. And you build a relationship with them, you know, you got it. You're almost starting from the beginning again. They remember the old you, you know, and I had this conversation with many friends that I kept in contact with. They, they, and my mom even said to me too, when I came back, they're like, you changed, you know? And Mm -hmm. at first I took almost offense to it, you know, like, you know, what are you talking about? And I got defensive, you know? Um, It's just sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a civilian, veteran, military, sir. Sometimes as people, we don't use the right words, right? And I took it at the time as and got defensive. And looking back at it now, you know, it really should have been, okay, I should have taken this time to get them 
you know, to be able to know the new me, know how I think, you know, uh, the once I don't have to, I don't have to wake up when, you know, my alarm goes off, you know, to, um, you know, I am on a regiment. I have to stay on a regiment to be able to successfully feel like I completed my day. Uh, and if something steers wrong from that or deviates from my plan for the day, all hell breaks loose, you know, and you feel, you feel like, uh, you know, you, you can't accomplish what you're going to accomplish that day. Um, but <clears throat> back to what I'm talking about of, um, getting them to know the new you, right? You're a changed person. They want to know you, they care about you. Uh, and that's the main message is during this transition period, you have to let others in just a little bit. You don't have to open up completely. Um, but they want to, they want to get to know why you, what makes you tick, you know, and, uh, it will help as far as the transition goes, because they're going to understand the changes, you know, you being a changed person, they're going to understand you more, understand you better. Um, and I, I done this with my wife and it, it's, it's helped, um, you know, for her to understand sometimes like, you know, a few weeks ago, we're in Costco, just simple grocery shopping. Um, you know, years back, it would have been this blow up and I would have stormed out the store, you know, and, you know, she knows that after a certain amount of time, you know, she checks in with me. Hey, you good? You know, because my anxiety will start to kick in and I'll be like, Hey, five more minutes. I got to go like just large crowds. Um, you know, being kind of stagnant, you know, I, I, I have to stay on the move, uh, until it's my time to say, Hey, all right, I'm going to shut things down for the day. You know, other than that, you know, if I'm going about my day running errands and stuff, there's only a certain amount of time that I can stand being around large groups of people and stuff like that. And I understand that now and letting my wife into that versus, you know, just, uh, you know, flipping out, you know, and having an attitude or whatever the case may be, you know, she understands that side of me now or going to a restaurant, always having my back to the wall, you know, facing the door. Um, the kids even do it. Hey, where are you sitting? All right. I'll yeah. sit right there, you know, um, letting them, those small little things, letting them in to your world, you know, um, it's just the same as starting, you know, a new relationship with somebody, you know, friend or whatever, um, you know, you open up so they can get to know you, you got to do that for them to get to know the new you. Right. And for you, Desert Storm Vest, we, we didn't get this chance to transition out the way he's talking about. But I brought him on because I want y'all to understand our kids are the age they're going into the military. Most of our kids are going in military, but we can help them, you know, take that transition out. We can make them understand, you, you know, because we've been there. We, we know, but it is hard. When you don't have a family member who's been in the service, you know, none of your friends have been in the service. It's hard to explain to them what you've seen because they, they would not believe you at all. And some of the stuff that you've seen and done, you mm -hmm. know, and and I do look back and think of some of the stupid ass shit that government allowed me to play with 
on taxpayer dimes. It was amazing. Well, it was awesome, right? It, man, <laughs> it was incredible. I don't give a shit what yeah. anybody says. I yeah. wasted more taxpayer money than anybody out there. I just want y'all to know that. I enjoyed it all. I just, yeah. you know, I just did. You, yeah. you know, and I don't yeah. think there's a difference between Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, or Coast Guard. We all have that 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 transition stage of going in and getting out. We all do. Correct. But most of us would like to ask one question, you know, b- before we end this and everything. Uh, when you were in boot camp, did y'all hold up cards? Is is that a real thing? Like if you get stressed out, tired in boot camp, did they have cards when, when you were in? No. Then no, why they, the hell do they have them in there now? Yeah, I have no idea, you know. And it's funny, last night actually at work I printed out uh, – um, so you had your monthly counseling, right? In the military, <clears throat> in the army, there's, you know, a form, it's a structured form and it's got who's being counseled and this is good or bad. You know, it's a monthly thing, you know, improvements you need what you're excelling in. Well, at some point, and I don't know who created it, but it was the best thing in the world. It's called a hurt feelings report, you know, and it says, you know, <laughs> please, you know, please write the whiner's name. You put the whiner's name in there. You know, and, and you put, you know, somebody stole my lunch, you know, there's check boxes to check off, uh, where do your feelings hurt, you know, left arm, right arm all over, you know, and it's, it's a, you know, a good little morale booster because, you know, going in the military, you, you can't have thin skin. That's one thing you can't have. Um, you can't have thin skin if you want to do any type of career, uh, that involves dealing with the darkness of the world. You know, and and for all the veterans out there, you guys have to, um, you know, this is the point where you puff your chest up and you go, you know what? I am proud of who I am. I am proud that I served less than 1% of the entire population in the United States serves in the military. And you're part of that less than 1%. All right. There's no other percentage out there for any other career that says you or the one that decided to say, Hey, I'll do it. All right. You know, so it's on us partially, you know, to make this effective, you know, and effectively want to transfer out of the military. The other part is, you know, and the root of the problem is pre actually getting out. Right. And that that's not on us because now that we're out and we talk about it, you know, this foundation that, that needs to be laid before you get out starts when you're still in, you know, so this is something that needs to change within the military. Um, you know, having, having a, uh, detachment unit that deals with just people that transition out, because I tell you, when I was transitioning, you know, you're still attached to your unit, uh, that's, that's gearing for mission readiness. Right. But at the same time, you got to go run around post turn in your crap, you know, figure out what you else you got to do for your day. And they handed you this huge packet of forms that, you know, you don't read 90% of it because, you know, you don't have time to, you know, and they give you this 90 days, you know, to transition. Well, they only set up appointments, you know, once every two weeks to turn stuff in. Other than that, you're with the, with your unit that's gearing for mission readiness. You know, no, you shit. should be detached, detached from, you know, that unit 
you know, and it be a collective group that's, that's getting out, you know, and have people in place, whether it's career counselors, uh, other military members that's already made the transition, you know, and, you know, or, you know, they transition you to, you know, um, you know, a national guard unit and you start making your effective transfer then, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm still kind of coming up with different ideas to, you know, help this effective transfer, you know, and that's a big part is being a detached from a mission readiness group, you know, because they're in their minds, you know, they're not getting out, you know, they have to be mission ready, rightfully so, you know, and you don't want to take away from that and the big machine, you know, of, of deployment coming up. Um, but your mind's somewhere else. Your mind's not mission readiness. Your mind, your mission has changed. Your mission now is transferring out and, you know, if you if your transfer has to do with moving your entire family, like we spoke earlier, you know, I was in Germany for, uh, or overseas for four and a half years, um, not on U.S. soil for more than two weeks for leave. Um, you know, I'm going from one country, one culture to back to my home uh, country and everything is, has moved around me while I was serving, you know, and what if you have kids that need services, family members, whatever the case may be, you're not just making a move down the street, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of moving parts and, and doing it just in 90, 90 days, uh, still being attached to a mission readiness group um, is not the answer. Now, I also think they ought to make it at least two months that the veteran has to go to counseling. I, I yeah, really and I, yeah, and I, I think... I think it's so I'm, I'm one of those uh, guys where I don't like doctors. I don't like talking to people that um, don't understand what I went through, you know, being in the military, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of veterans, you know, or people in general just, you know, feel this. Why am I going to go talk to somebody that never served? Right. They're not going to understand. Right. Yeah, that's true. So, <clears throat> so what, what, you know, I can see happening and what they do now is you, you go and talk to somebody that, you know, learned about the brain and how things work out of a book, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, slowly but surely may, may start to, uh, understand a little bit of veteran, you know, about a veteran. Um, but you, you really can't truly understand if you haven't walked in the shoes and it's no fault of theirs. It's, that's just how it is. Right. You know, and no, no, uh, that's a good point. I think it should be veteran talking to veteran that's correct. been there yeah. and done it. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if some of these, some of these things are in place and I want everybody to realize this isn't just, this isn't going to just fix all of a sudden, if you have PTSD, anxiety or whatever else you have going on, this is completely separate from that. So if you need to go and get the help that you need, go get that help. All right. This what I'm talking about. This transition is just laying the foundation for you to get out and be more effective as a veteran. You know, this has nothing to do, you know, with the services that you may need uh, and the people you may talk to. Um, I just had a disability reassessment, and uh, just for my hearing, right? Um, the person that was taking my paperwork at the reception desk was a veteran going in and actually getting the hearing test done, uh, was a veteran. Um, you know, so the, I felt at home, 
I felt like, you know, even though we weren't in the same branches, you know, it's like, oh, you served. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and there's that common connection we have as veterans. It doesn't matter what time period you served in. doesn't matter what branch you served in. We all have gone through uh, some type of um, military transition, and we all effectively want to transfer. Uh, we all collectively share uh, a bond that's unbreakable and and that that we need to take that strength and we have the strength in numbers uh because i'll tell you the numbers two hundred thousand veterans are transferring out of the military every year two hundred thousand right that's a shitload that's a lot right and you know of those two hundred thousand veterans right some of them will make up the population of homelessness one yep. third of the entire U.S. population of homeless people are veterans. One third of the homeless population in the United States are veterans. Yep. Why is that? <laughs> and the VA only housed 40,000 40, veterans permanently last year. Yeah. So they, it's a fraction of the amount that are actually transferred out of the military. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, let's, you know, let's, take handouts and, and rely on other people. You can't, can't rely on somebody else to control your life. All right. But there needs to be more aid in place. You know, the 47 trillion or whatever dollars we just sent to Ukraine, how much of that can we actually change for the betterment of veterans effectively transferring out of the military? And that's true. I mean, we, we better use of the money sometimes, man. I mean, uh, be honest with you, that but that's part of transitioning. Correct. Them guys would not be homeless. Most of them, I should say, would not be homeless if they would have just properly transitioned them out. Correct. Yeah, and I, I think some of some of the homelessness, you know, comes comes to head as far as the mental health aspect as well, um, because if you feel that you can't relate to anybody and nobody can relate to you. What do you start to do? You isolate yourself. Yep. Right. And that isolation turns into loneliness and hopelessness um, and effectively ends up being a homeless veteran, you know, because they, they start staying clear of everybody, you know, because let's face it. How many times have you heard stories or, or uh, been a part of it where the, the VA, you're just a number like you're going to the deli line, right? That that's the that's the feeling and the sense that veterans get. And you know, granted, in the military, yes, you know, DOD as a whole, you know, you're you're a number, you're replaceable, right? That's you you accept that, right? But <clears throat> we can accept the fact that, you know, hey, I need I need help and I need services, and this is a big thing, and I struggled with it is I don't, I don't really ask anybody for help. I am one of those people where I'm going to do it on my own and I, I'm not going to ask for help because I felt like I was a weaker person. Um, you know, I, I felt like I wasn't strong enough to be able to do it myself than it wasn't meant to be. There are some aspects of transferring out of the military and being a effective uh, veteran, getting back into the civilian world, you're going to need help, whether it's from another veteran or whatever service that, you know, they provide. 
that you can tap into um, different organizations, nonprofits. Um, you can get the help, you know, and a lot of it has to do with regaining your purpose and establishing that brotherhood again. Um, it just, it's spread out now, right? The brotherhood is spread out more. Uh, it's not in your face 24 seven. You're not going to formation where everybody's smoking and joking, <laughs> right? It's just spread out more, right? And what I'm saying is no, no different than what you would say or the next veteran, you know, it's just, we need to start building those connections again now outside of the military to regain that brotherhood. I agree hundred percent. Well, Ryan, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. I want to thank you for everything you shared with us. You enlightened me a lot on the transitioning phase. And, you know, I think the TAPS program is a great program. I know there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, you know, do you have anything else you'd like to add on to the end? Um, just uh, everybody wants to, you know, uh, be able to find out, you know, what, what they have in their area. I'm slowly starting to get um, different veteran organizations. I'm going to be putting some more up on my website um, where people can tap into, uh, see what's going on uh, in their, their neighborhoods, their states. You can go to everlastingveteran.com. I'll be putting uh, nonprofits up there, uh, events, stuff like that. Uh, all their websites and socials so you can follow them on, on social media, go to their websites and find out what events they have going on so you can start connecting with uh, other veterans as well. And I think it's a really big thing um, being able to, instead of just typing, you know, Google, which you're going to come up with a million different things, uh, a centralized uh, location where you can uh, establish those resources immediately from a veteran that has had communications with the organization, um, the people that run it uh, are veterans, and you're going to be able to connect with other veterans, like-minded people, um, and be able to, you know, help with your transition as well. So check it out, everlastingveteran.com, um, and people can go and follow me on Facebook where I post stuff as well. Um, and I really appreciate all the support and, have you know, having me on the show. It's, it's a pleasure. Hey, it's a pleasure having you on. And everybody listening, y'all go check out his podcast. Well, uh, you know, j just remember one thing is all veterans need to stay together. We're, we're all a family. And Ryan, I mean, I really appreciate everything you have spoken on tonight. And, man, you have a great night. And everybody listening, y'all have a great evening. Thank you for listening to Go For Side Effects. If you have a story or you would like to share or just come on with any comments or questions, please email me at kevinsimon at goforsideeffects.com.